I'd like to share with you um, my experience of gratitude that I have at school. First, I'll start with this handy-dandy iPad that you all gave me as a parting gift, which I used to take notes on in all my classes. Thank you, Kevin. Good job. Um, and I also preach from it now, so I feel like I'm getting that much closer to being a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> feel like I'm a part of the club in a way. This semester, I am in a class called Vital Worship, and we look at the theology behind different parts of worship, as well as the practical elements of worship. And what's interesting is my professor has a background both as a dancer who trained with, who went on tour with the Dave Brubeck tour and different companies. Um, she sings, and she also has a cognitive science background, so a lot of things, and worship. So she likes to approach worship with multi-layers so that different styles of learning, different people can get different things out of worship because not everybody responds to talking. So there's the visual arts. She really stresses visual arts, and I think, oh, yeah, Valley's got some uh, visual arts. Got these nice banners. We have hand-sewn um, table covers for the communion table. There were those bright hand prints up for the community for our 60th anniversary. I also like to think that we do pretty good with visual arts with this. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Visual arts are important, absolutely, I get it. Um, she also talks about different styles of music, how different people want to hear, you know, your song, your traditional hymns. Later, we'll hear some different sort of music where you might be able to swing a little bit to it. We're Presbyterian, so we're not going to get like too crazy. Um, clapping is like pushing it for us. Um, she also likes, she really stresses creating a holistic worship that supports the scripture and the proclamation of the day. And I was like, oh, wow, we're going, we're going really lowest denominator here. So that's to say that all the text and all the songs support the theme, which I'm like, well, we write those every week. And luckily, our music director is a tad logical, so the songs fit in with the theme. Just a little, little logical, alongside all of you really logical people. And then our most recent class was on the dramatic arts. And I didn't want to be snotty, but I kept thinking, can I just go now? <laughs> My church started a theater conservatory. We're pretty good at some things. So anyway, this class continually reminds me how good we have it here at Valley. We really, truly do. Um, we are surrounded by beauty everywhere in the faces we see sitting with us, in the trees surrounding us. The intentionality that imbues our worship service guides us on all of our spiritual journeys. Hopefully, we hear things in worship that also challenge us on our spiritual journeys, and we are then prepared to walk out our carved doors and into the world as if this were a rehearsal for then going out into the world and enacting God's love. Please pray with me. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
It's taken me a while to come up with this sermon today. There's, it's, it's been, it's like I've been clouded with what to do. Um, and I thought, well, it's Thanksgiving and Gratitude Sunday, that's easy. And I was like, well, got to do a little bit more than that. And I find that this week I am keenly, keenly aware, like many of you, that I am grateful for very elemental things. I am grateful for clean air. I am grateful for the blue sky. I am grateful for this earth that we share and we live on. And I am grateful for safety. These are just these elemental pieces that I am going, oh my goodness, I am so grateful. I had a dream about blue sky and I cried. California, our state lives in this new reality that completely disrupts what we know and what we trust. And through this trauma, we have to reimagine a new reality. The air we're breathing is full of destruction and loss and trauma. And many of us are connected with these fires, as we heard from Rita. Many people are connected to these fires, the ones in Southern California, the ones that people are still recovering from from last year. They're all over the state, they're all over the place, and I can't help but wonder, when am I next? Nobody seems to be protected. This beautiful valley is very rural, where I live in San Anselmo and Marin, also another beautiful rural valley, and I wonder who might be next. And I wonder if many of us think the same way. We have our two scriptures today that really focus on gratitude. And I think that is a key thing that can always bring us back to find hope in really hard times or when you can't see very far through the air. First, we had Hannah's song, which is mirrored later in Mary's Magnificat. And it shows Hannah's overflowing gratitude for God giving her a child, Samson. She took this into her own hands to ask God and essentially demand for a child to say, this is not how it's supposed to be. She wasn't passive. She was very active in this. And then she exclaims her gratitude for God for fulfilling this promise, this one thing that she wanted so much. Second, our reading in Thessalonians um, dives into how we see the people of Thessalonica living in community. And at this point, um, unlike other letters to Paul, Paul is on good terms with the people of Thessalonica. Some letters are quite curt at the beginning, so you can figure out who's on bad terms. But in this one, he's like, I miss you so much. It's so good to see you. And in this letter, his eschatology is very different than in other letters. So eschatology is the study of the end of times. It's this concern with what's going to happen when I die, when God returns to earth, all that super unhappy stuff. So in Thessalonians, Paul his theology is Jesus is coming, and Jesus is coming in my lifetime. Jesus is coming in the next few years. Jesus just died, but he's coming back, and we need to act virtuous. We need to act well as a community and individually to glorify God because it's time. It's happening. 
Later in his letters, we see that, okay, this probably won't happen in my time, but I think about this headspace that he was in with Jesus is coming. Oh my gosh, sorry. What do we have to, <laughs> what do we have to do because this immediate, imminent, nearly impending thing is coming? And there's this total sense of urgency. And I, I see this sense of urgency in the work of Dr. Sally McFaig. Dr. McFaig is a 85-year-old uh, theologian. She grew up in the States. She worked for many years as a teacher at Vanderbilt Divinity School, and she still teaches at Vancouver Divinity School. So she's got some game as an 85-year-old. She's written many books. And her focus and attention is on creating different metaphors for God. A lot of our traditional metaphors are androcentric, patriarchal, so we have our Lord, our King, our Father, all of these are good and valuable metaphors and certainly have a time and a place and can be valuable to people. And she argues that God is an entire mystery and anything that we use to talk about God is essentially a metaphor. And so, since God is beyond our understanding, using multiple metaphors to describe God, to explain this limitless, beyond our understanding, creates a rich faith, and also creates a very inclusive faith as well. Her main metaphor, her main model for God and the universe, and the earth, is that the earth and the universe are in fact God's body. So in light of the fires that we are living with, I would like to read an excerpt that she wrote for a publication for the World Council of Churches to explain what she means. And I think it's an interesting perspective on God. The world as God's body is appropriate for our time because it encourages us to focus on the neighborhood. It understands the doctrine of creation not to be primarily about God's power, but about God's love, how we can live together, all of us, within and for God's body. It focuses our attention on the near, on the neighbor, and on the earth. We meet God not later in heaven, but here and now. We meet God in the world, and especially in the flesh of the world, in feeding the hungry, healing the sick, and reducing greenhouse gases. An incarnational understanding of creation says nothing is too lowly, too physical, too mean a labor if it helps creation to flourish. We find God in caring for the garden and loving the earth well. This becomes our vocation, our central task. Climate change then becomes a major religious and major Christian issue. Meeting God is not a momentary spiritual affair. Rather, God, the reality, the body, the garden in which we live. God is never absent. God is reality. Everything that has being derives it from God. The entire cosmos is born of God, as is each and every creature. This model allows us to meet God in the garden, on the earth, here at home. We do not have to go elsewhere or wait until we die or even be religious. We meet God in the nitty-gritty of our regular lives, for God is always present even here and now. 
Since God is here in our world, then surely it is indeed our neighborhood, our planet, and its creatures that we should be caring for. The significance that the transcendent God is with us cannot be overestimated as we struggle to care for the earth. It means that we are not alone as we face the despair that creeps over us when at last we acknowledge our responsibility for climate change. We do not face this overwhelming problem on our own. God is with us as the source and power of all our efforts to live differently. We depend on this source of life and its renewal absolutely. We could not live a moment without the gifts of God's body, air, food, water, land, and other creatures. To realize this is an overwhelming experience of God's transcendence. It calls forth awe and immense gratitude. The earth as God's body. Eight years ago, the earth as God's body exploded in San Bruno, as many of you know, and many of you partnered with myself and my good long-term friend, Janine, um, after that explosion happened. And most of her family was killed in that explosion. And living through that trauma and trying to make sense of the world after that was hard. And it still is hard. This explosion happens every day in different ways. But I do want to share something with you about hope with this. Three weeks ago, the city of San Bruno opened up a playground on their property's home. It's on the corner street, right where it happened. And there is this big, there's big space with playground and grass. And then there's another home that decided not to rebuild. So across the street, diagonal down the hill, there's another park with a basketball hoop and all sorts of fun stuff. And a number of us showed up that day thinking, okay, the Bullis family will be there. That's great. Um, and then a couple other people from the community. We showed up and there were a few hundred people who came to be a part of that. Different members of the Bullis family from different states flew in to be at this home. Jackie Spear, Jerry Hill, and all the neighbors in the area came, and officials from the city of San Bruno. And there was a moment for the family members to reflect and share their experience with everyone and to say, we want this property, our property, to be a space of hope and play for the community that we loved so much, that we spent time growing up in, that is so necessary for the resiliency of this neighborhood. And so some of the kids cut the ribbon and then for the next few hours, hundreds of kids and families played. And it was beautiful. The family was there, the Bulls family, and it is hard and it is beautiful and it is both at the same time. As we close our sermon time together, I'm going to give us a space to meditate before we go into the holiday season. So there will be about two minutes of Barbary playing music. And I invite you to think on gratitude. You can think on gratitude in your own life. You can think on gratitude with the earth as God's body. But I do want to create a space where you are welcome to sit for a moment 
work, think about your breath, look at the trees, do whatever it is that you need to do. If your to-do list arises, notice it, let it go. To sit for a moment in gratitude as we enter into a holiday season. Once Barbary is done playing, we will then move on to our next hymn. She will no longer be on the harp, so you will know what's going on. Amen. <laughs> 